Father, we thank you for your word. And we pray now that as we study these scriptures together, that you would open the eyes of our hearts to see you more clearly. That you would see, help us to see more just what it is that you did for us that day on the cross. That you would lead us to seek more your Holy Spirit who you have given us. And that you would change us to be more like Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, good evening, friends. It's so good to see you all. It's so good to worship together tonight. Looking forward to all of our time together over the weekend to come. Um, and we're coming towards the end of a term where so much has happened. Um, we've been reflecting on it as we've been sharing some of the stories over the last few days. If you remember all the way back at the start of January, we started our sermon series on our vision and values, thinking about who we are here at Emmanuel, that our vision, the reason we exist is Jesus. It's just Jesus. Uh, that we want to know him better and we want to make him better known. And that that's the driving force for everything that we do. And uh, we talked through our values, how we're family, um, how that means that we belong to each other, how that means the kind of community that we are, that every family has the dodgy uncle in the corner and the rebellious teenager and the person going through their far left phase and the person going through their far right phase and they always sit next to each other at the dinner table. There's space in a family, isn't there, for, for all kinds of difference because we belong to each other and we belong to each other because we all come through the cross of Christ and we're all adopted as sons and daughters of the Most High. And what kind of family are we? We've talked about how we're a family of the word, that our sole rule for life and faith is the scriptures, that it's through the word of God revealed to us in the Bible that we know who Jesus is, what he's done for us, who we are. It guides us in all that we do. It's our foundation. And how because we're a church of the word, we're also a church of the spirit. Uh, because the word points to the spirit and the spirit leads us to the word. And that it's God's spirit, God's presence within us that empowers us to be more like Jesus and to share him with others. Uh, which leads to our final value that we, in all we do, we want to be about making disciples. It's not for us, it's for the world. Everything God's given us. It's for our neighbours and our children and our work colleagues and those who we meet, who we want to grow to know Jesus for themselves. Uh, and we launched, if it feels ages ago now, our, our big initiative for the year, Pray for Five. Uh, and it's really exciting. We're, just, we're a couple of months in, hearing so many stories of how God is already beginning to answer those prayers. Uh, and it feels like every day chatting to members of the church, I hear someone say, I was praying for one of my five and, or I saw one of my five and this happened. Uh, and a few people have become Christians and we're booking in baptisms for April and May and June and July at the moment. And we're so excited to celebrate some of the people that God has already led to himself. Uh, but we have this hunger, don't we, for God to do so much more among us. For his kingdom to come here in Emmanuel and here in Stoughton. For his will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. For him to transform not just our lives, but our families' lives, and to transform our kids' lives, and to transform our neighbours' lives, and to transform our workplace, and this whole city, and this whole nation, with the love and power of Jesus. Uh, and for any of that to happen, for us to be involved in any of that, for, for us to be used by God, for that hunger that we have, we, we really need God's help, don't we? We were praying before the service, and so many of us said, we just feel like we're coming weak tonight. Um, ill or after stuff's gone wrong and there's so much that's happening in the church family that's causing so much pain at the moment people are suffering um, and so we, we need Jesus so very much and, and that's the theme of our weekend together uh, we've called this weekend God's empowering presence uh, that's who the Holy Spirit is he is God's empowering 
presence. And we're thinking about how we can know more of God's empowering presence in our lives, how we can walk in the Holy Spirit as God has enabled us to do so, so that we can know Jesus better and make him better known. And tomorrow, Paul and Becky are going to come. They're going to help us very practically think through how do we live uh, empowered by God's presence in our day-to-day lives. Uh, And tonight, I just want to offer a a kind of a foundation for all that we're going to think about for the rest of the weekend. Uh, And tonight, we're thinking about the Spirit and the cross. Both those two readings pointed in different ways to the Spirit and the cross and the way that the Spirit and the cross go together. Uh, Because the cross leads to the Spirit And the Spirit leads in turn to the cross. And if you come to the cross, you see more of God's Spirit. And if you receive more of God's Spirit, you're led again to the cross. Because the two go together. Uh, And in Matthew chapter 27, we heard read the pivotal moment in human history. The point 2,000 years ago when the world changed. A dividing line through the whole of history. And for the millions of years before that, the world was one way. After that moment, the world has never been the same. Uh, The moment where Jesus breathed his last, gave his life, and as he died, the veil in the temple that symbolized the separation of God and his presence from you and me was torn in two. Because in the Old Testament, the Spirit, God's empowering presence, wasn't available for you or for me or for the Jewish people. He came on particular people at particular times for particular tasks. Um, And then everything changed that moment on the cross. Uh, And the best overview I've ever seen, just walking us through the pages of Scripture to help us understand what it is that happened at this moment in Matthew chapter 27, um, it comes from one of the Alpha videos, the Alpha session on who is the Holy Spirit. So rather than try and repeat it badly, I thought I'd play a couple of minutes of that to you, just walking us through the Old Testament to see what it is that would change at this moment on the cross. So let's watch that together. But in the Bible, the Holy Spirit isn't a vague force, but a person that you can know. He isn't an optional extra either. He's front and central. And he wasn't a recent invention. He was there from the very beginning. And everything, all of this, was made through him. In the beginning, the earth was empty, formless, dark, And the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And God said, let there be light. So there was day followed by night. With each new day came new creation, vast oceans, the vaster sky, the earth green and growing. The Spirit of God, the Creator Spirit, brought out of the chaos of the cosmos, out of disorder, order, out of confusion, harmony, out of deformity, beauty. The cosmos, galaxies, the sun, the moon and every star. Creatures of every shape and size to swim, fly and roam the land. Then God created man and woman in his image and breathed life into them. And God sent his spirit upon his chosen people to guide them, to give them gifts for a particular time and purpose to fulfill God's work on earth. God sent his spirit upon a man called Bezalel, giving him the gift of creativity and artistic knowledge to craft and shape precious metals and gems into art, into a house for the Lord. The spirit of God came upon Gideon, a weak and fearful man, so he became a brave warrior 
who saved God's people. Samson, who was taken prisoner. God sent his spirit to give him the extraordinary strength to break free from the ropes tied around him. The spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax and the bindings dropped from his hands. God filled others with his spirit for prophecy, to be his mouthpiece, bringing direction and hope to his people. The Spirit came upon Isaiah to bring good news of hope. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. Upon Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Through the prophet Joel, we learn who this promise is for and how it will happen. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. God's promise was that he would do something new. Not just for particular people at particular times, for particular tasks, but for everyone, all people, regardless of position, age, gender, ethnicity, and race. Then with the birth of Jesus, it was like a trumpet sounded, and everyone surrounding the birth of Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Mary, the mother of Jesus, Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, John the Baptist, and then Jesus at his baptism. The Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form. Full of the Holy Spirit, he began to teach, heal the sick, bring freedom to the captives, to heal the brokenhearted, so often what happens in the Old Testament in a physical way happens in the New Testament in a spiritual way. As Bezalel was given the skill to craft and design the temple, the Holy Spirit always brings new things to our lives. New attitudes, new desires, new ways of worship, new songs. Whatever you do in your workplace, the Spirit of God wants to fill you with skill, ability and creativity. Like Gideon, God uses people who feel weak inadequate, ill-equipped. As God's Spirit gave Samson physical strength to break free from his bindings, so today the Holy Spirit brings freedom to break the habits, the addictions, the things that keep people spiritually bound. The Counselor, the Helper, the Gift Giver, the Guide. The Holy Spirit softens our hearts, he takes away our hearts of stone and gives us hearts of flesh. The Holy Spirit who helps us to break free from bad habits also harnesses a desire to love others and to help those in need, the poor, the brokenhearted, the captives. The experience of the Holy Spirit is not only about what is felt, but also about making a difference in the world. He can use you. So throughout the scriptures, we see that the Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence. Uh, but page by page through the Old Testament, he comes on one individual or another individual, but the vast majority of God's people just look on for afar, and he's not for them, because God is separated from his people by human sin.
by all of the stuff that we do wrong, then this barrier between us and God, it's symbolized by the veil that hangs in the temple. That behind the veil, in the very center of the temple, you have the Holy of Holies, where God's manifest presence is made known. But no one can go through that curtain. Only one person, once a year, goes in after loads of sacrifices and they tie a rope to his ankle so that when he went in, if he was killed in the presence of God because it was so holy, they could drag him out and they wouldn't have to go in themselves because God's presence was so separate from his people. And the Jews throughout the Old Testament, they saw this leader or that leader filled with the Holy Spirit, but they knew that they were far from God. God's people couldn't access him. Uh, And our lives, they take place on the other side of that curtain in a a broken and a sinful world where all of the mess and suffering of life happens. And the great truth that we see in these verses of Matthew's Gospel, uh, it's pointed to um, by what Jesus says in John's Gospel as well, is that Jesus' cross opens the door to the experience of the Holy Spirit. By Jesus' blood, the veil was torn. Because on that cross, Jesus, the Holy One, God himself in human form, was cut off from the presence of God. The one who'd been with God before creation, um, the one who'd been with him from eternity in the closest possible relationship with God. He cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For, For eternity, Jesus had never known that separation from God, but the sky goes black as a symbol of God's judgment. And on the cross, Jesus took upon himself my sin and your sin. We read in 2 Corinthians that he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. Because taking our sin upon himself, he extinguishes it in his blood. The Bible tells us he pays the penalty that we should have paid. And so we're justified, we're made right with God, we're forgiven. He destroys the power that we could not break free from. And so we're ransomed, we're redeemed, and we're healed. He draws the sin out from us like poison from a wound until that day when we see him face to face and even the presence of sin disappears because we stand so perfectly in his holy presence. And so because Jesus has dealt with our sin, here and now the veil is torn. It's never been replaced. And that prophecy of Joel that the video mentioned to, that in the last days God would pour out his spirit on all people, is now fulfilled. The door is opened to God's empowering presence at the cross. The barrier has been removed and you and I, we have this new access by the blood of Jesus to God's presence with us all the days of our life. We're adopted as his kids. We're full of his presence. We're changed by his love now and forever. But the thing is that just as the cross leads to the Spirit, as we walk in the Spirit and we're filled more and more increasingly day by day by God's presence, what his Spirit does is he leads us back to the cross. The cross and the Spirit go together. Uh, and that's because that's how the Trinity works. Father, Son and Holy Spirit, we have one God in three persons and each delights to exalt the other. Uh, the Father exalts the Son and the Son opens the door to the Spirit and then the Spirit leads us back to the Father and the Son. Here's how Jesus puts it in that reading from John's Gospel. Uh, He says, Unless I go away, the Counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. The cross leads to the Spirit. And then in verse 8, When the Spirit comes, he will convict the world in guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. 
and in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world stands condemned. Um, And if you're reading those verses, they're very frustrating verses if you come from a logical Western mindset, because it looks like John's making three different points, and you try and work out what the link is, but he's not. He's making the same point three times, and he's just saying it again and again and again. He's saying the Holy Spirit will convict people of sin. He'll show us the problem, because we don't believe in Jesus. The world does not trust in him, and so the Spirit convicts. He works in our conscience. He reveals the guilt that we have because we fall short of God's perfect standard and he stirs us to repentance. He works in our conscience. And then secondly, he says he'll convict people in regard to righteousness. He'll point us to the truth. And the Spirit shows, because Jesus is now going to the Father, the Spirit then points to Jesus who has ascended on high and the Spirit takes over where Jesus left off. Jesus is vindicated, he's glorified, he reigns over all things. And the Spirit points to him, the only one who is truly righteous, the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, And thirdly, it says he'll convict people in regard to judgment, which is the consequences of our sin. Um, Because on the cross, we see Jesus' victory. Satan's power is broken. The kingdom of God starts to break in to our world. And so the Spirit doesn't just work in our conscience to lead us to repentance and doesn't just point to the only one who is truly righteous, but he also points us to the judgment where we either fall on the basis of our own efforts or we stand gloriously on the basis of what Jesus has done for us. And it's just three ways of saying the same thing, which is that the Holy Spirit leads us right back to the cross. That's what he does. That's one of the primary works of the Spirit. He just takes us back to Jesus. Uh, And that's what Jesus says in verse 14 at the end of that reading. He says, The Spirit will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. So what the Spirit does is he brings glory to the Son. The Spirit just exalts Jesus. And the way that the Spirit glorifies the Son, the way that he exalts Jesus, is by revealing him, by taking what is Jesus's and bringing it to us. Uh, And this word glory is so significant in John's Gospel. John's Gospel is um, filled with Jesus, Jesus saying, I will be glorified. The moment of my glorification is coming, when the Son of Man is glorified. And you might think that Jesus' glorification was his resurrection, when he rises in power and he ascends to heaven. But that's not Jesus' glorification in John's Gospel. Jesus' moment of glory, Jesus is glorified when he dies. Uh, Because it's on the cross when his body's broken and uh, his blood pours out and he gives up his last breath, that he truly reveals who he is. Jesus' true nature, it's revealed not in the resurrection, though that's who he is, and not in the incarnation, though that's who he is. He is glorified, he's made most fully known when he dies for you and me, because it reveals his love for us. It's what he came to do to die in our place, to bring us home. And so what the Spirit does is he glorifies the Son who is glorified on the cross by revealing what the Son is like by leading us to the cross. The Spirit always leads us to the cross. It's what he does. Uh, And so this weekend, as we come to think about what what does it look like to live lives that are full of the Holy Spirit, to live lives full of God's empowering presence, We're just talking about getting to know Jesus better and making him better known. That's what the Spirit does. Uh, And so I have two invitations for us tonight as we come to pray. There's an invitation, and we're going to spend some time in prayer as we begin our weekend, to, to come to the cross in order to seek the Spirit, God's empowering presence. 
Uh, and as we have more of one, we get more of the other. It's John the Baptist who said that Jesus would baptise us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. It's one of the verses that inspired the two wonderful windows on my right and my left. Uh, and that word baptise, we know, it literally means drench or immerse. Because Jesus came to die so that he could immerse us and drench us in the spirit of his love. And in John's Gospel, he says in John chapter 7 that the spirit hasn't yet been given because Jesus hasn't yet been glorified. Uh, and as we've thought about glorified, that means because he hasn't yet died. It's Jesus' death that opens the door to us to have this experience of God's love that now and today the Spirit is not just poured out on particular people for particular times or particular tasks. He's given to us all. However little we deserve him, however our week's been, however confident or broken we come, we all have access to the same God by the same Spirit because of the Son of God who died for us. And tomorrow, Paul and Becky will help us think through really practically, if this was a bit more um, theology, tomorrow that we're going to be really practical thinking about how do we do that? How do we walk in the power of God's presence as has been made possible for us by the cross of Christ? Um, but for tonight, would we just come and pray? Uh, because if we want to see God move in our community, if we want to see our lives changed and our homes changed and our church changed and our community impacted with Jesus' love, if we want to see God glorified in our homes and God glorified in our church, if we want to see his kingdom come here, then we need him to send his spirit. We can't do it by ourselves. Uh, and so we come to the cross because it's at the cross that we receive God's presence. Uh, and we allow the spirit to lead us to the foot of the cross where we're convicted of sin. He leads us in repentance. He shows us any of those times or places uh, where we haven't done as he wished that we'd have done. And we, we lay those down. I, from today, I've got a whole long list of things to repent of and I'm very conscious of them. Uh, as I fall short every day and the Spirit just gently takes me by the hand and leads me to the cross. Uh, and the wonderful thing in the Bible is that repentance in the Bible, it's a really joyful thing. Um, some of us have grown up in churches where we were beaten around the head if we did anything wrong and we feel a lot of guilt and shame. That's not how the Spirit works at all. He takes us by the hand and he leads us to the cross and there is this freedom and this joy in Spirit-led repentance. Because it's not people trying to dig around to find out how bad we are and feel miserable about ourselves. It's just God's love filling us. And as God's love, his spirit fills us with his kindness. He breaks our hearts. He melts our hearts. Uh, and we end up weeping because we're so far short of who he is and how he wants us to be. But it's not guilt and it's not shame. It's joy and it's freedom. Because that's what he came to do. And so we cry out as the spirit leads us to the cross. We just cry out, Lord, I want you in my life. Lord, would your kingdom come? Would your will be done in my heart? Would you change me? by the power of your cross. And it's there at the place of repentance and brokenness that is the place of forgiveness and healing and joy. And we receive again more of God's spirit. There's more every day of our lives. He never stops giving. It says he gives the spirit without limit. However much you know of God's love in your life and his power in your life, there is more available to you at the cross. Uh, and so tonight, would you join me in, in just praying for God to come, for his will to be done in your heart tonight and tomorrow this weekend would we do some preparation for what the lord wants to do with us over the next couple of days uh, to say to him lord this weekend your will be done in my life this weekend your will be done in this church uh, this weekend your will be done in this place 
Would your kingdom come? Would you fill us with your spirit? Lead us to the cross, the place of brokenness, that we might have more of you and that through us, his love might overflow to change all around us. Um, so would you stand with me? And perhaps if Jacob wants to come back up. Uh, and we're going to, we've got plenty of time tonight. So we're, we're going to take quite a while just in silence, just waiting. We did this on the first night of our Lent course. and We, we sat for, for ages just in silence because we're so busy and we're so distracted and we so often spend so much time we don't give God the space because our lives are so full Uh, and here we have space just to begin in quiet and to allow the Lord to lead us to him Um, so we're beginning standing but feel free over this time feel free to kneel, feel free to sit Uh, it's helpful to make a physical response to say with our bodies what our minds and our hearts are saying Um, and we're going to take a few minutes just to wait in quiet Uh, And I invite you to come to the foot of the cross and ask the Spirit to lead you to the cross and at the cross to receive more of the Spirit as we come before the King of Kings and say, Lord, we want you in our hearts and our lives and our church. Lord, we're so sorry for how far short we've fallen. We thank you for what you've done, for the fountain that you opened that day that washes away all our sin, opens the door to us being filled with your love and life. And as we stand, as we kneel, as we sit in the silence, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would fill us afresh tonight. That the Holy Spirit would lead us to see Jesus. And that in the quiet, you would take our hearts and our lives. And in us, Lord, do whatever you want to do as we wait on you.